Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Nori with you. We're back with Brian DeTillo. Brian, so these entities walked in three children, three little entities. Tell us what happened. Well, it was interesting because before the hypnosis, I thought it was just one. But during the hypnosis, I realized there were three. And they, and they were being escorted by these taller aliens that I hadn't seen yet. They were different from the ones who took me. And they're different from the ones who did procedures on me. Um, but when I was confronted with these children, um, there, was, there were three different ages, three different uh, sizes. I, and I think they were uh, two male and one female. And the, the, the oldest one was probably about five years old. And the other two were, I would say, about two and three, three and four, maybe. Um, but one was a, a taller toddler. And what was different was their skin was a bit translucent. Their muscle tone was a bit more toned than it should be. Their head size was bigger. And the head cranium came out past the ear. And when, I, when they got closer, and it was interesting because one grabbed my leg and wanted to play with me. One, they, the smallest one, they put on my lap. And the other one kind of stood by me as I sat. And when I looked at the one standing eye level to me, the thing that really threw me was the eyes were all black. And there were no whites or pupils. Mm -hmm. And I began to lose it because I began to think this, these, these children aren't fully human. And I, I, I wasn't sure at that time why they wanted to be so close to me. So I kind of rejected them as one tried to embrace me, the one, the toddler one, tried to give me a hug. I fought him off and I got up and removed myself. And these beings, these other taller beings seemed to subdue me because I started to get very angry and frustrated because these, it was very emotional during the hypnosis part because I felt like these beings were playing God and that these might be my children but yet they're not fully human, so I can't accept them as fully human. And I felt them being almost disappointed in my anger and in my fear, and they shut me down. They kind of, you know, zapped me, I would, I would refer to it as, where you, don't, you're, you no longer um, have control of your body and control of what you're going through. You simply just find yourself waking up somewhere else. And, and that's what happened to me. Um, I, I woke up somewhere else and I was being processed off this ship and ultimately put back into my, uh, my bed. And when I woke up, I could not, I could, I was awake, but I could not move. And, um, I was numb and I, I physically tried to get up and I couldn't. And I was pouring sweat and my underwear was around my ankles. Jeez. And I look, I look at the clock, and it's six forty-eight in the morning, and I'm like, "Where did all the time go?" I only had this episode that seemed maybe a half hour, forty minutes at the most, but yet a huge amount of time was missing. I pick up the phone immediately, and I call my mother because I'm I'm so taken with fear, and I and and I know that she knows something about this. And she, and, I, and, and she picks up the phone immediately and, and says, Brian, and without me saying who it was, I said, yes, I have to tell you about this dream I just had. She said, no, I want to tell you about the dream I had. 
I said, no, mom, I, it's important. I tell you this. She said, Brian, I don't want to hear it. I want to tell you. Last night you came to me in a dream and you knocked on my apartment door and you had a baby with you. And the reason why I didn't let you in my house is because the baby that you had with you was, was not fully human. Wow. It had all black eyes. And I said, Mom, you're not going to believe this dream I had. And then I told her about my episode. And for years, I sat on it and didn't do anything about it other than try to get over it and blow it off and justify it, you know, through bad dreams. And, you know, um, you two had a shared dream. We had a shared dream. And in hypnosis, I never really accounted for my mother being with me. But the more Yvonne Smith does this, she tells me that it goes in family cycles. A lot of times you'll have alien activity with one person, but also in the line of the family, a mother, a grandmother, um, a sister, you know, there's something, it's something in, in that they're enthralled with our DNA lines somehow and our connection to our family. So I think that's intriguing to them to follow family lines. And Yvonne Smith, she, she said she had such evidence of that through her research that it, it's such a common thing that it repeats in the family. That's fantastic. Tell me what you thought of Professor David Shorter. David Shorter was amazing. Um, not only because he let me speak at UCLA and I felt like a big shot, but <laughs> but he's a great guy and uh, he had some amazing things to say. He has some amazing opinions outside of the normal realm of your alien UFO. So basically, he he believes that that Roswell wasn't an alien ship or an alien being, but he believes it was genetically modified humans flying government-made re-engineered ships and the hmm. government trying to cover themselves. And that, um, and that craft crashed, I guess. Yes, and, and, and they wanted to pick up the evidence that they were working on. So he actually has a really outstanding view that I think it's important that you look at it from all angles, and he covers that because his that his dad worked in in the Roswell area for the government, and he found a bunch of things that belonged to his dad in his private office that related to this and uh, their connection to uh, World War II, Nazi Germany's genetic testing and DNA modification. So he he seems to think that that's what we're we're experiencing. Um, I think it's an interesting uh, view on it. I don't entirely agree, but I think there's a little truth in everything. So maybe he's got some points, and he does have some great points when you, when you watch the episode. I mean, he almost had me thinking that, that I, I wasn't abducted by aliens because he's against hypnosis also. But I know the credibility through hypnosis because I've been through it. Did, and I didn't think I could be put under, but I was. Did David ever mention how his peers and colleagues react to him? He gets he he says he gets mixed reactions, um, especially you know the ties to his dad and 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 um, you know to Germany. But he he is one of three, like I said, professors who does this in the country. So I think you know him just shedding light on any of this in any way is beneficial. Um, for the big scheme of things, but yes, he does get mixed reaction from his peers. You know, people either hugely respect him and agree with him, and he has uh, other people that feel the same way, or he gets people on the other end who 
you know, kind of counteract what he, he says. So it's interesting. It's an interesting point of view. Do- Dr. John Mack, who is no longer with us, Brian, uh, was a professor at Harvard University. Mm-hmm. And he was an expert in alien abductions. And I think he faced all kinds of grief because of that and what he went into. All kinds what, of grief. What time period would that be, George? Oh, uh, probably. I think he died about 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. So not so too far. When he, was, when he was speaking out against abductions, when was that? Well, he was never speaking out against them. He I was, mean, I mean, speaking of, uh, you know, for abductions. For them. He's, he's been, been doing that all his career. And then he died getting off a curb in London. He got hit by a drunk driver. Oh, horrible. They say. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, I mean, I guess anyone who's even bringing up the subject is going to be met with, especially if you're a professor at Harvard, is going to be met with some scrutiny. You know, um, because people think I'm crazy for believing what I believe. And I understand that. That's fine. But I do know what happened to me. I know that I didn't want it to happen to me. And I know that, uh, you know, it's hard to kind of uh, come out as an abductee. You know, it, it, it puts you in a certain class, I'm sure, in a lot of people's minds. But I can't I can't lie about what happened. I, ha- I feel like I have a... a responsibility to tell people the truth. Have, have the things that have happened to you had an effect, let's say, on your acting career? Um, it makes me realize a big picture. I don't really, you know, worry about the acting career because I know it's just, you know, this, this thing that we have to do to make the money and all that stuff. And I enjoy doing it. I really do. But people totally think I'm nuts. Um, I was telling the guy that uh, plays my son about being abducted, and he told me that he was a student at UCLA in this ghost aliens and psychics class and hooked me up with the teacher. So some people are receptive to it and think it's really cool, but then you get people in the business, you know. Um, uh, you know, I know when I told my, my boss that I was going to do this, he's just like, well, don't, don't bring us into that. Um, but in, in a funny way, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, people have mixed reactions to it and you never know how it's going to rub people. Um, but like I said, the truth is too undeniable with all the evidence over the years, you know, from ancient aliens to the, to the last 125 years of, of us interaction with, with aliens. It's just too, too much evidence to ignore and not it be true. I was with Paul Heineck a few weeks ago at the Conscious Life Expo here in Los Angeles, the son of J. Allen Heineck. And uh, how cool is that to talk to him? Because that's the closest I ever got to his father through his son. Yeah. Yeah, it is cool when you talk to people who are directly related to these people you can't talk to anymore. Um my mom uh, at a dinner once with Bob Pratt and Alan Hynek, Alan Hynek, uh, J. Alan Hynek actually tried to put her under hypnosis. And my mom kept getting sick and he, and she would go to the bathroom and throw up. And when she'd come back, he said definitely something traumatic had happened to her. And he was, wow. he was, he was eager to try to put her under again, um, but, but never did. But yeah, it, it's, yeah, he was an amazing, amazing man. I mean, Project Grudge, Project Blue Book, Project Sign. I mean, all the things that the government first started to track these UFOs. 
um, he was he was a huge part of. And then, you know, I, I guess he was a skeptic at first and hired to debunk stuff, but he ultimately turned his beliefs around, didn't he, and, and, and became a believer. Are we replacing any of these incredible ufologists who are dying away with anybody coming up, any younger people? I don't see that happening. It's a shame if it doesn't. And people, you know, they, if it dies out as, with all this great information that people have gathered over the years, like Stan Friedman and like all the people who aren't here anymore, it doesn't do them any, like a Bob Pratt, it doesn't do them any service and their life work any service or humanity any service to not carry the torch. Um, so, you know, if, if no one wants to do it and they're afraid to do it, Give me that torch. I'll do it. Um, you're, you're not living until you find something worth dying for. So in my opinion, you know, to, to bring humanity along and bring awareness and, and, and bring um, equality to us, because you think about how much it would unite us as a people if we did know about aliens, because it makes humanity so much more sacred and it bonds us so much more as being one species, that if you introduce that, it's only going to make us stronger. It's not going to divide us. It's not going to break down society. It's not going to do all the things that the government might think it might do. Um, and that's why I think, you know, I understand the government needs secrecy. And I come from a military family. My grandfather was in World War II. He was uh, given a... Um, he was given a, a gold star in lieu of a second Purple Heart and Iwo Jima and Saipan. And that's what made me do a lot of research around that time period with aliens. But, yeah, I think it's just too much. Too much has happened for us to not, uh, not focus on, on the history of it and the evidence and the people that have sacrificed their lives to a, to a, a profession that is probably the most important discovery of humanity to realize that, that there are life on other planets and that's here and it's been interacting with us. And what is our place, you know, in this galactic federation that is real? You know, I mean, it's a real term, supposedly, that there is a galactic federation. We are slowly becoming a part of it. And you know, I believe in our lifetime, and I believe, I believe in my lifetime. You know, hopefully I won't jinx that and, and, and die too soon. But I believe that there will be realization of alien life. I believe that the government will have no choice at some point to come forward. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern. And go to coasttocoastam.com for more.